0: It's called the Radio app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. I'll keep your eyes on the road you heading upon the wheel. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: patiently waiting on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, all rise Fine. for our Agriculture Commissioner of the mighty Republic of Texas, Sid Miller. Happy to have you on the program, sir. And because we have some seasonal weather across the state, I want to know from from your office, how does it all look? Uh, how, how have things been faring across our Lone Star State?
2: Well, parts of the grid went down. Well, I know there's about 10 counties in northeast Texas that were without electricity and uh they have got it back on today that went down yesterday we 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 kind of missed the 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 big problems that we had before but the wind kept blowing kept the wind turbines on and our our solar panels didn't get dusted with snow so they they kept working but we came real real close to to losing power again so we still need to do some work on our grid
1: yeah I, i hear you i hear you our our farmers are well equipped for the weather they were well prepared though right
2: well yeah i mean we you know we've we've got the wood chopped we've got the diesel generators full i've got uh six kerosene lanterns you know the old top lanterns i got them all full new wicks uh you know we're prepared we got flashlights and batteries and deep freeze full of full of meat and a pantry <laughs> full of canned goods so <laughs> that i think there's a song about that about a country boy can survive that's right <laughs> it's, it's good
3: deer hunting season
1: deer <laughs>
0: Good deer Absolutely. hunting
1: Can I just say, I love how Texan your answer was. <laughs> I love that so much. We're joined by the Agriculture Commissioner of the Mighty Republic of Texas, Sid Miller, uh, on uh, 710 KURB. Davis, Rankin, your question. Go well, ahead.
3: We, we don't necessarily want to talk about uh, uh, deer, but we do want to talk about a locally caught seafood. Uh, it's been building, uh, we used to have 700 shrimp boats between port isabel and the port of brownsville back i don't know 40 50 years ago we have far fewer than that now there's a lot of reasons why there's fewer but one of the problems is inexpensive seafood from overseas now the ag the ag department is doing what about this you've got a campaign on we want to promote
2: well a, a couple, couple of fronts on that of course we uh, we market uh, every, everything agriculture, everything Texas, actually. But yeah. we certainly have been uh, a marketing Texas wild caught Gulf shrimp, oysters, fish, crabs, uh, all of that. People don't realize that Texas has a you know multi billion dollar seafood industry. It's all wild caught, uh, nothing fresher, you know, it's organic, no additives, no preservatives, nothing put in it. But we have to fight this foreign farm raised shrimp in catfish, and it's just crap. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's awful what they do to that stuff. It's, we can't, uh, most of the time it would not pass inspection. Now, here's, here's the deal, and this is what we've got to fix. The USDA inspects all farm, uh, farm-raised meats, you know, beef, pork, lamb, all of that, farm-raised, uh, uh, livestock. The problem is, is the FDA inspects uh, seafood that comes into the United States. The USDA inspects everything. There's no meat that doesn't get inspected. FDA inspects 2% of the shipments. And then if they find a shipment that's bad, they don't destroy it. They just say, you're going to have to take this back. So you can ship it back to Taiwan or Vietnam. relabel it and you got a 98 percent chance of getting it through so i've been fighting this uh, the catfish guys actually won the battle and now any catfish coming in the united states gets inspected by the usda every bit of it gets inspected but this is why we're we're, we're having such a a battle uh with this foreign raised shrimp and, and uh farm-raised uh, seafood uh, we just can't compete with with uh but the quality, no one can compete with our quality. Now, if you want quality, you want good tasting, healthy uh, seafood, just buy a wild guff caught, and uh, you'll be miles ahead. Matter of fact, that's all I will eat. All I will eat. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Let me. Can I tell you a quick sure, story? Sure,
1: go for it. Yeah.
2: My my wife went to H E B. It was right before Christmas, and she bought one of those uh, cocktail platters of shrimp. You know, yeah. all peeled in a circle, making the center, they got the cocktail sauce. I said, where, that, where was that shrimp from? She said, well, i I'm sure it's wild caught. I said, no, they sell both kinds. I said, let me see that. So I looked at it and it said, oh, this shrimp was farm-raised in, you know, uh, Taiwan. It's a high quality. I said, we're not eating that crap.
3: I am not eating (laughs) it. she she put up with that? That that was her holiday. Oh,
2: yeah. She said, well, you you know, you're not getting any any other shrimp. That's what we've got. I said, let me have it. So I unwrapped it. We live out in the country, and I, I put the food scraps out on the back patio for the feral cats. Right? Good for you. So I set it out there, and I watched those cats. They came up. They sniffed at it
3: and turn around and walk
1: off. Oh. They wouldn't eat it either. Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> You're making that up, Commissioner. <laughs> will tell, you, we got that'll some tell good, you something.
1: We got some good cats out there, that's for sure. It's the Agriculture nothing, Commissioner nothing, of the mighty Republic of nothing Texas. Nothing that Miller. shrimp.
3: Oh. <laughs> nothing would eat it, it. We're talking with the Ag Commissioner, <laughs> Texas Ag Commissioner uh, Sid Miller, about eating locally caught, which would mean golf-caught uh, shrimp and, and uh, generally seafood. And you can get... They do sell it at HEB. It's available to you. Um,
1: you you were mentioning that they relabel it the the foreign stuff and they send it back and it gets through. How does that happen?
2: Well, we don't. The FDA is in charge of inspecting the the, the shrimp uh, and oysters, and they only inspect two percent of the shipments. So ninety eight percent it just goes through. No one looks at it. How do you like that? That's not. That's not good. The 2% that they they do check and they find something wrong with it, they don't destroy it right there on the site. They said, well, you're going to have to take this back, ship it back. We're not letting it in. So they take it back where it came from, maybe repackage it, put a new product number on it, send it right back Mm -hmm. to us. It's got a 98% chance of getting through again.
3: So... It's
2: not a very good system.
3: When how how
1: uh, how difficult is it for for the average Texan to combat this? I mean, what 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 are some of the tools that we have to uh, reduce the amount of foreign seafood that we ingest in our homes?
2: Well, just just you know, a little cowboy logic. Read the label. If it's if it's got go Texan on it, you know that's a Texas product, raised in Texas, wild caught duck shrimp. I look on there. When you go to a restaurant, they say, "Where's your shrimp from?" So, well, uh, you know, we we'll get it from Benny Keith. Says, "No, no, no. That's not. That's not what I'm. What I want to know. I said, what's the source? Is it wild caught Gulf shrimp, or, or is it farm raised shrimp?' Stay away from the farm raised shrimp. It's 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 not good. Not good for you. It's got a lot of heavy metals in it. Uh, you can go on YouTube and see them uh, uh, taking syringe needles and and pumping them full of goo to make them you know way heavier."
3: Uh, it's it's bad stuff. Wouldn't uh, the, the um, y- years ago, I did a story for a local TV station in Matamoros about shrimp coming in. I don't remember where from the Far East, and they were uh, some of them had gone bad. So what what they were doing was bathing them in a Clorox solution to kill whatever was degraded, and then cleaning them up. And they keep, they were allowed to import them into the U.S. Have you ever heard of anything like that going on now? Oh yeah, you
2: don't know, yeah, uh, it's terrible. Uh, the things that go on, you wouldn't believe. And that's 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 very believable to me. I, I could see that happening. It's, it's
1: is awful. there I I got about I, a, I got about a minute here, but how is how is Texas fighting the US Department of Agriculture in in stopping all this and the FDA, Food yeah, and Drug the FDA, Administration? Yeah.
2: Well, you know, we, we we fight for shrimpers. I I've been working with the uh, Catfish Institute, they got they got their product switched. So we're we're trying to do that. We need you need the, the shrimpers need to work with their congressman and our two United States senators. Uh, and we got it. You know the problem is there's just not many uh, shrimpers. They're, yeah. they're not a very big voice. So people like myself, people like you, uh, they they need their congressman to, to represent them we need to get this changed now is the optimum time to do it while they're writing a new farm bill
1: what what do we ask is at it, the seafood we, section uh commissioner is it
3: is it wild caught is it texas caught do
2: you is know it, that is it's from
1: wild caught wild
3: caught
2: wild caught actually we, we want wild caught Gulf guff seafood but wild caught anywhere is, is healthy it's good it's not a, it's not adulterated like the other the other stuff <laughs> No. Wild wild caught is the key word, All right. preferably
3: guff, wild caught, guff, seafood.
1: All right. Thank, thanks for the update, Commissioner. We appreciate your Thank time today. Thank you for feeding today.
3: our wild cats, too. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> That is the Agriculture Commissioner for the mighty Republic of Texas, Sid Miller, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Joining us right now on 710KURV, sounding the alarm. Reserves are kind of low, and they've been kind of low since, I want to say, before Christmas or Thanksgiving. Uh, Our friend Ali Arredondo from Vitalent joining us blood reserves uh, how we, i think uh it's not only here locally but i think nationwide we've had a blood shortage is that right
4: that is correct uh we're actually uh due to the increment weather the conditions across the country country has caused more than a thousand donations to go uncollective just in the last five days what does that mean that means that uh, this weather, this freeze uh, in Albuquerque, Lubbock, the, valley, the Rio Grande Valley, has been hit uh, pretty bad uh, over the last few days. Uh, we had school cancellations and not too many students showing up to school, so we had over about seven hundred units of blood that went uncollected.
1: Wow! And so, yeah. how? How? Uh, well, I guess I want to. I guess I want to. I'm trying to, to to fit a story here where. How, how do things get that bad? Uh, first off, how often does this happen that the blood, re- that, that the reserve is, is that low?
4: Yeah, well, uh, during the winter, we usually have uh, a lot of people traveling, and a lot of people getting sick, you know, uh, during the holidays, uh, too busy with family and stuff. So during the winter, we see a big dip uh, in uh, our blood supplies. Uh, what that means is that we, we usually see anywhere from 15 to 20% drop. Uh, it's, it hasn't been this low in the Probably before COVID, and uh, right now at the moment, uh, we're currently experiencing that and going through the you know the final stages of our you know weather and you know our lowest point. Uh, we do have blood supplies uh, available in our in our uh, facility, and we do have about fourteen to you know to eighteen days uh, stocked up. So, what happens if we have a major emergency or some type of national uh, emergency or weather emergency? Well, those supplies can go directly to the hospital and we'll be left with not not too much supply.
1: Ali Aridondo is with Vitalent Blood Services and we've got, we're sounding the alarm. We could use some uh, donations right now. So for people that are listening right now and uh, would like to donate, how can they do that?
4: They can visit either one of our offices at 1600 South 6th Street in McAllen. That is one of our uh, facilities. And then we also have, Another one in Harlingen at 610 North Ed Carey Drive in Harlingen. Uh, we're open every day, including
1: weekends. For people that, that donate, um, what do they need to do? Because uh, you always hear, the, well, you need to eat something. You don't need to eat something. Maybe <laughs> some orange juice or something. What, what do you need to do?
4: That's a great question. We ask everybody to have a healthy breakfast or to eat a solid lunch drink a lot of liquids before donating uh, that helps uh, eliminate any time of dizziness or possible, uh, you know, little spells of, you know, getting low faint
1: that happens to me all the time. Um, <laughs> when I get my blood drawn. <laughs> if I don't eat something that day, I get lightheaded real quick.
4: Yeah. And then all you need is anybody who's 16 years old would need a parent consent to come in to donate. However, all you need is a valid ID, state ID, Uh, If you've donated before, we have you on file. We just ask that you come in and, you know, feel well and not have had COVID within the last two to three days, not taking any type of antibiotics. People think just because they uh, are diabetic or high blood pressure that they can't donate. That's, That's a misconception. So we ask everybody to come out and donate. And if you've thought about donating and maybe have in the past, I haven't done so in a long time, this would be a great time. We're actually... Giving out uh fifty dollar uh gift cards, uh raffle for uh actually five hundred gift card, five hundred dollar gift card for twenty four lucky winners this month. Ooh. I'm I'm scheduled to, this Dave is Davis ranking, I'm scheduled to give platelets later in the month. Um, perfect. Platelets it. Platelets is something big that we actually do at our center. You know, yeah. you can come in once a week to donate platelets. Uh, thank you so much for your donation. Well, oh, I didn't say I was going to uh, do it. I said I'm scheduled to do it. <laughs> oh, sure. yeah, oh, I was already going to pencil you in and have you scheduled for tomorrow.
3: <laughs> well, it, could, it, it may it may be. Uh, how much do you all pay if someone comes in and donates a pint of blood? What are you paying me? That's a great question.
4: Because we're a nonprofit agency, we do not pay for uh, blood donation. Those are usually done by the the plasma centers. Well, so t- ours is strictly a donation for uh, for our patients and for our donors. Well, two question in
3: two parts. Number one, the, yours is a nonprofit organization, so you sell blood uh, to lo- local hospitals. You sell it. You don't donate it. Is that right?
4: No, we we donate it to our local hospitals you here. It don- in the Rio Grande Valley. Oh, yes, I mean- we do not sell.
3: how do you how do you cover your expenses i mean you got to pay you you got to pay all those people who draw the blood all that stuff how do you get by we
4: have we have to meet our quotas we have to meet our i mean our numbers uh per year annually uh but we're we're funded federally and we have to do so many uh donations in order to to just to meet our numbers so as, as I mentioned, as a nonprofit, we have to make sure that we get a certain amount of people to come in and donate. And that number is about 15,000 every single year. If we don't hit that, our funding gets lowered every single year. So that is why it's important that we get our blood supply. Just this so, past year, in 2023, we had about uh, 4,900 new first-time donors in the Rio Grande Valley. That's a 23% uh, yeah. increase of the year before.
1: Let's boost your numbers Ali. let's uh, let's tell people who, who can donate and how can they get all that done because we got we got a big blood shortage and we really need to fill those reserves.
4: Correct uh, Well, 70% of the Rio Grande Valley can donate and three percent actually come into our offices or to one of our blood drives to donate But if you're 16 plus uh, we've had donors 85 87 years old donate in the last couple of weeks at RV park. If you feel healthy and you're able to donate, come into our centers or look up on our website at org. one of our blood uh mobile drives that were out in the community where they can come out and donate and
3: it, te- it takes how long does it take there's not just one kind of blood donation i'm doing platelets because they just they just made me feel bad that i didn't want to <laughs> get platelets because it <laughs> takes longer uh it does. But I fell asleep it during does. the process, and so I don't know how long it takes.
4: For the plate. For the platelets, uh, you're looking at anywhere from 45 minutes to possibly an hour. Uh, if you donate regular whole blood, if that's just your regular pint of blood, your red blood cells, that is a process anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes. I've seen people donate within 4 minutes. Good Lord. But anywhere from 5 to 10. And then we ask for a little recovery afterwards just to see how you're doing, see if you're feeling well. So it takes about a good 30 minutes. The next process, which is your double red, your power up red, is a double donation. Uh, it's red blood cells with white, your white blood cell plasma separated. It's more pure, and that one takes about anywhere from twenty to twenty five minutes.
1: Um, um, one one more time uh, for those that want to make an appointment with Vitalant to to help out and and donate blood, how can they get in contact?
4: Perfect. They can they can reach out to us at one eight seven seven two five. 84824 that's 187725 vital or they can visit our website at vitalent.org that's vitalan t.org
1: that's ali arredondo with vitalent joining us on news talk 710 k u r v go to vitalent.org schedule your appointment to give some blood save Thank some you. lives in our area, in the midst of this blood shortage that we got here, you're listening to News Talk 710 KURV or 956 Drive Home.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. I love your show. Hello, hello. Having our voices heard. That's right. Yeah. You live and you learn. Exactly right. This is our country. Use your heads on this stuff. Bingo. Sick of the talking heads. I agree with you.
5: Talk,
2: talk, 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 talk. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening. Yes. No. Yeah. No. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Everyone is so smart. They are so dumb. Who is she? The judge? judge stand up to do
0: something. Thank you. The Valley's only News Talk station, News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: Joining us on seven hundred and ten KURV to uh, give us the full story of this showdown between President sleeper Joe Biden and our triumphant Governor of the mighty Republic of Texas, Greg Abbott, is Bob Price from Breitbart Texas, and he joins us now. It's the it's the fight over Shelby Park in Eagle Pass. So uh, let's let's take it back to the beginning and uh, let's bring everybody along for the ride. So how did it start?
5: Well, it it started uh, about almost two years ago when Texas began coming in to uh, deal with the border issue that the Biden administration was ignoring, and uh, and started putting in uh, razor wire and you know shipping containers to create temporary barriers to stop the migrants from illegally crossing, or at least deter them and try to get them to cross somewhere else. Um, so when the federal government then started interfering by cutting some of that razor wire or providing other means like ladders on the, on the shipping containers for migrants to get over and enter the U S Texas took the next step and actually seized the park, put up fencing around the park and kicked the border patrol out. And so now you have the federal government demanding that, Texas stepped back from that and stopped impeding the Border Patrol from doing its duty, which the Biden administration is not allowing them to do anyway. And, uh, you know, Texas isn't going to back down. So now we're going to see what happens.
1: One of the points of contention was the timeline in, those, uh, in, in the case of those illegal immigrants that had unfortunately drowned at the border because they said that uh, the administration wasn't given access Uh, What what was the timeline for that?
5: Well, first, let's step back again and go back to the beginning. Since Biden took office, there have been hundreds of migrants drowned in that section of the river. It's a very dangerous place to cross. Uh, It's very uneven. The currents are unpredictable. And and now you have the the frigid water temperatures on top of that. And so it's a very dangerous place. But um, these three migrants in particular who died had already drowned before the Mexican authorities contacted the border patrol to request assistance. They'd already drowned and were being recovered on the Mexican side. And so then you take the time for the border patrol to try to enter the park. They would have to launch their boats and all of those types of steps. It was long over before they ever got there.
1: Yeah, they made it sound like the drowning was happening in real time when this fight was going down.
5: Right and you you think about it you know those boats aren't in the river all the time so even if there was no Texas military there when the when the Mexican authorities notified the border patrol that there was an incident going on in the river they still would have had to launch those boats now I don't know if you've launched a boat but it takes some time to you know get it get it to the park get back it down the ramp get it offloaded and then go respond to wherever the migrants are in trouble so it only takes about two or three minutes for somebody to drown in that water.
1: Joining us on 710 KURV from uh, the Border Stories at com is Bob Price. Davis, Rankin, in your question. Go ahead.
3: Well, maybe we should go back and start at, I guess, the beginning. What was the timeline, or I think you guys call it the TikTok of, of what happened? Because the report, which, as you know, is that... Um, we were Texas was told and just couldn't be, essentially couldn't be bothered to, to let the Border Patrol do well, its job.
1: Res- respectfully, I think that um, we, we've talked about this already. Let me, uh, let me ask, it's now a strongly worded letter as outlined in your article at uh, Breitbart.com from the Department of Homeland Security demanding access, and uh, they wanted a response before the end of the day today. Has that happened yet?
5: Yes. Uh, Texas uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton issued a response and basically told him to go pound sand. Uh, They said (laughs) that the Border Patrol will be allowed to uh, enter under medical emergencies or any other type of life-saving emergency that is going on, but otherwise they were not going to be allowed into the park. And uh, so now it's back in in the hands of the Biden administration to, to determine... What steps are going to say? The general counsel for DHS used a very interesting word, and you know, lawyers tend to speak in very precise language with legal meaning. They use the word "impeded." That, that the state of Texas impeded the border patrol in its exercise of its authority under the federal federal laws well impeding a border patrol agent is a federal crime and so it it sounds to me like you know and they're saying that all options are on the table it sounds to me like they're threatening to arrest members of the texas national guard if they don't allow them to enter the park Uh, that will set up a very contentious um confrontation along the border
1: all right wouldn't it
5: be wouldn't it be nice if 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 instead of spending all this time confronting Texas National Guardsmen, that they would actually confront migrants trying to illegally enter the United States?
1: (laughs) Right, it seems like such a waste of resources, right? Oh, exactly. You're saying it's like the same amount of guys, right? It's it's like the Biden army versus the Abbott army. And instead of them fighting each other, Abbott's guys could come down and be like, yeah, hey, let, let us help you out. (laughs)
5: Right. And and that was that was kind of the the intent, although it's certainly a political message that the Biden administration is not doing its job as it's constitutionally sworn to to do. But, uh, you know, the Border Patrol was there to free up. I mean, the Texas National Guard was there to help free up the Border Patrol agents so that they could then patrol actually patrol the border in other areas where where this was going on and then the texas national guard would call them when they had migrants to to apprehend of course this was before they started coming 2000 a day this is you know when we had a big day had two or three hundred people crossing uh so you know it's backed off again now recently um, partially due to the cold weather partially due to some things that happened inside mexico but it'll be back. You know, it, it historically it starts coming back again as we get closer to March, and the numbers will increase again. And and then we're going to have to see what Texas is going to do with all these people that want to cross there.
1: All right. What What is the 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 next step for us to uh, to look forward to, Bob uh, or Davey? I think you had another question, didn't you?
3: Well, is there no uh, or what is uh, the Mexican? presence on the other side of the river or they have no border people or police officers or somebody to help Mexicans people people trying to cross who start to drown
5: yeah, they have actually they do they they have um, a, a group and forgive me Beto grupo I think is the the Spanish name for pardon my Texas mispronunciation of it. Um, But they do have groups that, just like the Border Patrol is in the water with boats, their groups are in the water with boats. They actually rescued several migrants that night uh, that these three people drowned, and um, unfortunately they couldn't get to this mother and her two children, which, by the way, you know, if you or I took our kids into that frigid water to cross the border, CPS would be there instead of Border Patrol to greet us, and they would arrest us for child endangerment and take our children away from us. And, and yet we, we allow these people to continue doing that, endangering these children, killing these children with, with no consequence after the fact.
1: You know, I think it's interesting too, and Davey kind of touched on this when we we're talking about what what are things like on the Mexican side of things, to where uh, immigrants feel so compelled to cross the water when it's super cold, right then and there. Are there are, are there's no camp set up on the Mexican side? Are people from the Mexican side just forcing immigrants to cross, like we heard in that? Uh, well, I think it, I believe it was one of your stories from a few months ago. The man with the machete.
5: Well, right, and and keep in mind nobody crosses that river particularly in that area without having paid the cartels and without permission from the cartels to make the crossing um, and so you do see members of the mexican national guard patrolling on on that side of the river uh... and they will confront i've seen them confront people uh, and they simply walk somewhere else and cross the border at a different place so you don't see that Real hardcore effort to keep them from crossing, but there is a limited presence over there. But it's wherever the cartels who are firmly in control of, of that portion of Coila, that's wherever they want to tell the migrants to cross is where they're going to cross.
1: Yeah, I, I was hoping that there'd be some sort of, I don't know, base camp in, in, in this kind of weather where eh, let's just wait for things to warm up and then you can cross and then you'll have a better time or a better chance of of getting there without any problems, but I I suppose not. Bob, thanks a lot. We've run out of time here today. Appreciate it, though. It's Bob Price from Breitbart.com slash border joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com K-U-R-V. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach.
1: We're joined by Tony Payan, Professor Tony Payan from Rice University. We mentioned uh, an interview that he had last week talking about how um, organized, the organized crime is coming from Mexico. And the amount of people that are coming across are now including people from china as the fastest growing group sneaking across our southern border so um let's talk about uh dr payan let's talk about how things are at the border right now from your point of view and how um how do i say this how connected is everybody from uh (laughs) behind the scenes as part of these uh, cartel and government organizational relationship is
6: yeah this is a, a problem that's been going on is uh most borderlanders know um for about 11 years now i remember the first caravan in 2012 that was the obama administration and that problem dogged that administration and the trump administration and now the biden administration in fact i think it's turning turning out to be the, the greatest political risk to biden's uh uh, re-election. Um, this is non-stop. The Caribbean, Central America, South America, and of course, as you mentioned, other nationalities including China, the Middle East, and on and on. Um, it's quite chaotic. I, I don't think we've gotten hold of the problem, and I think uh, the United States cannot solve that problem alone. The transit country for these millions of people, we're talking millions by now over the last 11 years, uh, is Mexico. The U.S. requires Mexico's aid to stop the flow, make sure that the southern border with Central America is uh, plugged, and uh, and of course that people are detained in Mexico and deported from Mexico. But uh, I don't see any willingness from the López Obrador administration in Mexico to help, despite the fact that Biden has sent numerous delegations down to Mexico to try to recruit the Mexican government's help in detaining this and um, stopping this uh, uh, continual flow of so many migrants that are coming through.
1: Davis Rankin, your question for Professor Toy Payan.
3: Do you know if, sir, um, uh, the image of the the cartels is that they're pretty, I mean, they fight with each other all the time, big public shootouts. That, uh, is there any evidence that you know of that ties the cartel, any of the cartels with foreign governments uh, in in uh, aiding the movement of people
6: um there's very little evidence of it however i wouldn't discard it at all i mean the mexican mafias I, i'm not even sure that we can talk about cartels any longer you know the old hierarchical organizations where there was a cop on top and some lieutenants Uh, Mm -hmm. next uh, in the pyramid, and then, of course, a lot of uh, operators at the bottom. Uh, That's not the way that Mexican mafias work today. There are hundreds of groups. They're much more horizontally integrated. Lots of cells. They reproduced and reconstituted themselves very quickly. They're very supple, very flexible, and, of course, they're international, not just moving drugs but also moving immigrants. Uh, We know, for example, what happened in uh, Ecuador had a lot to do with the Mexican mafias that are operating now in Ecuador, uh, me- c- kind of making of that country a staging area for a lot of illegal activity. They went into a TV station and they threatened the the anchors of the TV station. They took over the programming and and threatened the population. So this kind of brazen behavior is clearly all over the place now. Th- this is the number one challenge for all of Latin America. So I would not discard any of the Mexican groups having links to other mafias in other countries, in the Caribbean, in the Middle East, of course, in South America, and even in China to move all these migrants uh, across. This just simply cannot be discarded today. They're very sophisticated. They're really global in scope. Uh, The number of activities that they are engaged in are multiple and multiplying. And of course, uh, you know, we can't, I don't know if it's, you know, a a government per se, say the Chinese government, but it's certainly Mm -hmm. mafias. It's certainly people moving people. Go ahead, Davis. um,
3: Why, um, I mean, -hmm. why doesn't uh, the president of Mexico or the leadership of Mexico aid, the u.s and stopping people from mm-hmm. coming into this country That's, that sounds obvious or ch- uh, i don't see what's in it for well, him
6: yeah sure so some of it of course is political uh political strategy i mean one of the things that we have to understand about lopez obrador is that deep down i think in his heart he is uh, anti-american uh, i don't think he likes the united states he doesn't like the fact that Mexico is due, fully inserted into the American economy, dependent of the American economy, of the uh, of access to, to American markets and such. I think he would prefer a much more isolated economy led by the state. Uh, think 1970s economy in Mexico. Uh, but he cannot be that open about that, obviously, because Mexico is so dependent on the United States. Uh, and so one way to annoy the Americans, to poke them in the eye, I think it's um allowing these imig- uh, migrants to cross through Mexico uh having cozy relations with Cuba and Venezuela and Nicaragua uh you know if he finds little ways to annoy the US government and to use that as leverage against uh, the US government and the other thing this is uh, on the on the strategic at a strategic level I think at the more uh, uh I guess operational level I think the Mexican government in particular the uh, National Migration Institute or INAMI is quite corrupt. Um, I think that they get their share of the um, monies uh, that get extorted from immigrants. We just saw a bus of, uh, you know, 23 migrants kidnapped down in Tamaulipas, and and then the families had to send a ransom, and then they were freed. Uh, this, I am certain that the INAMI and a lot of these agents get their cut. From that money that comes through. And so it's some of it is just corruption. And President López Obrador refuses to admit that the country is more corrupt today than when he took office and that he has very little to no control of these agencies that are fully in cahoots with organized crime. Is there one more question. Sonia any- Payan
1: is a professor at uh, Rice University. We're talking about the role, the ever-changing role in uh, evolution of the cartels in Mexico on uh, 710-K-URV. Davis, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: Um, is there any evidence like in the, the American uh, Italian mafia, the earners, uh, the soldiers have to pick a percentage of what they get up the chain of command all the way to the boss? Is there any evidence that's going on in, in Mexico all the way to the president's office? Number one, and then number two, the big question: What would you advise the United States to do to try to fix this?
6: Yeah, the uh, I don't I don't think there's any evidence that this money bubbles up to the presidential level. Uh, I think it's in the bureaucracy. I think Mr. López Obrador refuses to admit that he doesn't control the bureaucracy; that uh, they operate almost like a an official mafia uh i'm not even sure obviously there is a lot of evidence that is emerging that his sons all three of them are engaged in in graft in in corruption in government contracts in profiting illegally from um, uh, the government uh, contracts and things like that Uh, the lopez family has turned out to be quite corrupt Uh, whether that reaches the president or not, I don't see any evidence just yet. I don't see any linkages, uh, but the military is definitely involved in many of the communities in Chiapas, for example, which our communities that a lot of the migrants transit through and a lot of the fentanyl goes through uh, are uh, complaining that the uh, the national guard and the military and the organized crime are operating in a coordinated way and so uh yeah i think uh, the the mexican government right now is is uh, completely oozing uh corruption everywhere and that includes the military unfortunately what the us can do Uh, I think uh, uh, more than uh, uh, diplomatic pressure, I think at some point the U.S. is going to have to contemplate seriously labeling these organizations, narco-terrorist organizations, and implementing a more unilateral strategy, more aggressive strategy to go after them, to go after their assets, and to go after the individuals that are engaged in this activity. I mean, we in the United States are losing 110,000 people to overdoses and the you know there's a flow of immig- uh, migrants that doesn't stop that's obviously affecting uh the the united states and and uh, and to try to just simply use diplomatic pressuring as the biden administration has done i think it's uh, proven insufficient uh,
1: this might seem out of left field professor Payan, but uh, i read i read a story recently that uh, the mexican government is very quietly asking the cartels to please uh, slow their activity and and uh, make themselves scarce in time for the next uh, presidential election? What do you think the chances are of that happening?
6: Absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, there are some communities I just mentioned in Chiapas, who are asking a particular couple of a particular mafia to please protect them from the other mafias. So what is oh. intriguing to me is that these communities, indigenous communities are no longer Asking the government, appealing to the government, sending a message to the government to protect them from the mafias. They're asking a these these shadow, these effective shadow governments, mafiosi governments, to protect them from other mafias. That tells you how broken the system of governance is in Mexico. And I'm sure that uh, you know there, it's not a coincidence that Lopez Obrador has visited Badiraguato, uh, the the cradle of drug trafficking in Mexico, and the the, you know the town of El Chapo Guzman so many times and interacted with his lawyers and his mother who's now passed a few uh, weeks ago um, and offered them consolation and even his good offices to try to return El Chapo from New York into Mexico these are not coincidences I mean this is a, this is a president who's a, uh, who knows exactly what he's doing and he's sympathetic to these criminal organizations
1: Hey, thanks a lot for your time today. We appreciate it, as usual. That's you, uh, doctor. Dr. Tony Payan from Rice University joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on Newstalk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Hey, as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radioparami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Hey as long as you're scrolling through your phone checking out your friends latest Instagram post take a moment to download the Radio Pommy app take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing